Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. Straight fire. This is the Wesson Walker Show. Even the crowd knows what's coming next. Happy Friday to you from Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. A Super Bowl Friday, a Charlotte Hornets watch party Friday, a trade deadline recap Friday. Did I cover it? Smackdown Friday. Smackdown Friday. Mm. No SmackDown not going on in here until we break down the top 10 players of the Super Bowl. <laughs> That's not happening until 2.20. There's going to be the actual SmackDown taking place later on tonight yeah, when man. Wes uh, goes there with Drew, who you're trying to make a believer into the sport. Well, he's what, already what? into it. And after he sees this show tonight, after that press conference last night, I know my WWE heads were excited. Everybody got what they wanted. Cody Rhodes and Roman Reigns is going down, but I know The Rock yeah. is probably going to pull up. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like Jack already writing in on the text line. You can be just like Jack if you want to text 704-570-9610. He said, Super Bowl Friday, this is Mitch Kupchak day. Mitch Kupchak day. We'll get to that in a moment. That's okay. True. Mitch Kupchak, I think, operated the best he's ever operated with the Hornets yesterday. If, if indeed, he is the one that is driving these decisions to trade P.J. Washington and Gordon Hayward. But we can give Mitch Kupchak all of his flowers in the next segment. It's also a Julius Peppers Friday. That it is. The first Panthers player ever drafted to then play for this team for so long and then be a first ballot Hall of Famer. And you know that's probably going to lead to him being ranked in the Panthers hierarchy. Where are we going to put him? We'll do that a little bit later on in the show. But really, it's just all about giving people their flowers today. Mitch Kupchak, SmackDown. Wes for going to SmackDown. Drew for being open-minded going to SmackDown. And then we can start with Julius Peppers. Let's hit it. Pull up to the scene, Mr. Fitty. Let's get off the bus. We look good getting off the bus. I got something to say. The final football Friday of the year, and we can celebrate by celebrating one of the best Panthers players of all time, Julius Peppers, getting into the Hall of Fame, the first go around as it should be. Let's hear from one of his teammates, Brenson Buckner, who joined Mac and Bone. He was on that defensive line in the Super Bowl, played alongside Julius Peppers for a while, and one of those defensive lines, honestly, Wes, that was crazy talented all across the board. Oh, I love them on Madden, man. I used to wreck shot with the Panthers on that. You know if Mike Rucker was somebody that was getting 10 sacks for you too or flirting with double digit sacks and he was clearly the second best defensive end on that line then you knew oh okay yeah that is a great front. Speaking of that front here's Brenton Buckner talking about Julius Peppers getting in the Hall of Fame. When you saw it and you knew and you played with him or you played against him you know you were witnessing something you hadn't seen before and that the game was an evolution the evolution of the game is going to change because of this this guy, and this speaks volume. Because uh, I'm actually in Vegas right now and and talking to some Hall of Famer guys who already had gold jackets about Pep last night, and every one of them, uh, I would be surprised if he's not a first ballot. 
and we don't have the surprise. Pretty easy to see that Julius Peppers gets in first ballot. Wes, what do you make of Julius Peppers? Rightfully so, getting in. But I'm just glad there wasn't any injustice done by the Hall of Fame voting committee because, Lord knows, it's one of my biggest soapboxes, man. When you don't put guys in, that should be because, oh, they're not first ballot good, but they're second or third Hall of Fame ballot good. The fact that Steve Smith still isn't in. The agenda against wide receivers, but Andre Johnson no, getting Holt, in. Still not Tor- in. Which is a shame. Yeah, man. Which is a shame. At least Julius doesn't have to undergo all that BS that some of these other players do. No doubt about it, man. And Julius Peppers, one of my favorite players in the NFL uh, in NFL history. I had a Peppers jersey when I was in college. Uh, and I still remember opening up the Street and Smith's magazine, reading about him when he was in high school, because that's all you had back then. There was no YouTube or anything like that. Seeing him coming out of Southern Nash, and I remember he was like 6'7", 240, 250, and he also played running back. And I remember reading that write-up, and I was like, whoa. I was like, this guy plays running back too? I was like, oh, my goodness. And so he came to Carolina. He was the man from the time he strapped them on. And he was phenomenal. He showed up. People would question his motor sometimes or things of that nature. But Pep, man, you know, for for every time you would question the motor, you would get one of those plays where you'd be like, oh, okay, all right. (laughs) Julius Peppers might very well be my favorite athlete of all time. The only reason I say might is because I grew up worshiping, worshiping Vince Carter so much, and then even Michael, too. But Vince Carter was the guy that I first had a poster of in my room, and it was the four different dunks that he had in the 2000 slam dunk contest. And so I had that one. I loved what Vince gave me in the NBA, but I also love Julius Peppers. And honestly, what's hilarious about Julius and my love for him, it all started with North Carolina basketball. Because before I even got into football, basketball was absolutely my first love and still my first and foremost. But watching him play ball and seeing him have a very different body type than everybody else out there on the court where he's just slamming in your face and you can't move that guy. So here's somebody that is kind of a tweener at like 6'5", but then you can't get leverage on him if you are a taller center and he has the type of tournament run that he had when North Carolina as an eight seed gets all the way to the final four in 2000 in large part because of what Peppers was able to do. Oh yeah, and then he just becomes one of the best defensive ends to ever do it superhuman like they don't make you're not supposed to be able to do all that stuff you're not there are not supposed to be able to make them like julius peppers usually nature is supposed to help us out in some sort of fashion where if you have this athleticism you're not supposed to be that big if you're that big you're not supposed to be that angry rushing after the passer okay maybe we can give you this type of style for 10 years but to be on the two all decade teams which is like my favorite fact ever reggie white bruce smith and julius peppers the only edge rushers ever to make two NFL all-decade teams. Make it make sense, because I can't. The only way that it makes sense to me is if you put him in the first ballot Hall of Fame and like, oh, okay, there's not too many people like that, and I'm glad Julius is in there for being that much. And the thing about it, though, man, as crazy as it is, it almost feels like he's underrated because when people still talk about the greatest pass rushes, you don't hear a lot of mention of Julius Peppers. They always talk about LT, Reggie White, Bruce Smith, uh, you know, some of those guys, when you talk about the edge rushers, I guess what we call them now, or right. defensive ends and outside linebackers, but people still don't necessarily give him the credit nationally, man. And so, uh, great for him. Kudos. I mean, I never questioned it for a minute. I thought if anybody was going to get in, and we'll get into those topics later, like we said, 
But you wonder, will he be the only first ballot Hall of Famer in Panthers history, which I don't. I think Luke Keekley will definitely get in on the first ballot, too, especially with Patrick Willis getting in. Shout out to so P. Willie. Yep, that's right. So Patrick Willis was the comparison for Luke Keekley. They're eerily similar, being on opposite ends of the country. So Patrick Willis having somewhat of a shorter career, but being absolutely dominant as soon as he stepped onto an NFL football field. It was the same exact thing for Luke Keekley. I believe they have the same amount of seasons and all pro appearances yeah. between the two. And that's a fun debate. Even if during the time that they both played, it was always Luke Keekley or Bobby Wagner. And no disrespect, it's Luke Keekley to me pretty easily as the best linebacker well, between Willie those two. Well, was in that conversation for a lot but of it, years. Well, no, I'm just saying between those two because Patrick Willis was retired in what year? Gotcha. That, that's what I'm saying. So, like, when they were playing at the same time, those guys' careers were in step with one another. Luke Keekley and Bobby Wagner come in really after Patrick Willis was at the height in the middle of his career, and then he calls it quits. But you're right. It's a good sign. If there was any worry that Luke Keekley would not be a first ballot Hall of Famer, it was because of the length of the career. But the fact that Patrick Willis does get in there, I do think that's a great sign for Luke Keekley. Yeah, man, I bet the house on Keekley making it. I, I mean, would too. whatever his odds are, whatever it may be, I mean, I would bet a whole lot on him getting in, man. But to uh, just just going back to Peppers, the way he would, he was one of those guys that would just, and you see players like that that come along every now and again that. They dominate NFL players. And, I mean, when I'm talking about that, I'm talking about a grown man that physically dominates and imposes his will on other grown men. He had tackles dancing all the time. And when I say dancing, that means when that ball is snapped, you see those shoulders going up and down when Pep is hitting them (laughs) with those moves. And he had a complete bag as a pass rusher. Not to mention playing wide receiver at times. The the interceptions he would catch and run it to the house. That's what I hate. I mean, he. uh, you talk about freaks of the NFL. You want to go all freak squad. And for my money, from what I've seen with my own eyes, Randy Moss was the original freak Uh and Pep as well. If you had to have an offensive and defensive representative, Pep would be that representative. So it's crazy, too, that also the athleticism shows itself with 11 interceptions for Julius Peppers. As a defensive end, that's ridiculous. And then you get to see him also score four touchdowns. He had two touchdowns in 2014. He had one in 2004. He had the longest interception return without scoring a touchdown for a while. I don't know if that's still true. I think that was in the Denver Broncos game. And he did win Defensive Rookie of the Year. Never won Defensive Player of the Year. Got fourth twice, once in 2004, and then once with Chicago. His first year at 30 years old in 2010 with Chicago. He was fourth on Defensive Player of the Year um, results. But Julius Peppers gets in there first ballot. And last thing, I know like it's weird, and we can get more into his legacy a little bit later on when comparing him to other Panthers greats. But when he left, I know people were really frustrated by that. You said people were questioning his motor. I was one up. He had 10.5 sacks the last season in 2009. He had 14.5 the year prior. He was already putting up very good numbers. And I heard Max say this. It felt like people wanted more than the 14.5, than the 10.5. And he never had the crazy, oh, my God, season. Like, 14 and a half is the most that he ever put up. Like those Watt brothers and things of that nature. Now, that is one thing that that you could look at. For all of his physical dominance, you were like, man, you wish that he had one or two of those seasons where he would have gotten close to 20 or over that 20 mark. That was the only thing I think that's missing from his resume is the, oh, okay, you put up a stray hand type season. But the fact that he just kept doing it. 
The fact that he had 11 sacks in 2017 with Carolina, his second to last year in the league, and then he finishes just a half a sack away from Kevin Green, third all-time on the NFL sacks list. Like, it's pretty crazy, and I'm glad that people embrace Julius Peppers the way they do now in a way that it was, you know, just a weird uh, exit for him once he did go to Chicago because he had just stayed here in North Carolina his whole life and wanted something different. Yeah, quickly, Evan from Concord, he said on the text line, allegedly, because, you know, I believe his story, but I'm still going to say allegedly. Story goes that Peppers hated working out while at UNC, rarely put in the effort for normal workouts, but then it would be, he would be by far the strongest of anybody on max out days. That sounds like some, you know, booby mouse type stuff. I just need to show up. But um, the thing, too, you know, with Pep, and you were talking about that with the with the motor deal and when he left, he was probably the only Panther I could ever think of that I had a little bit of anxiety about him leaving. And I was, you know, upset that he left. I was like, man, I was like, Pep, you know, she should have stayed with him being a homegrown guy and what he was able to come here and do. And it ended, you know, rough. But, uh, you know, it ended up on a good note for him. And Stanford P, last moment, he said, or uh, last thing on Julius, he, he was humble, incredibly likable guy. And I think that actually turned out to be more and more true as we've seen him grow. Even his second stint here yeah. in Carolina, we got to see him more involved in talking to media a little more. We got to realize his personality. Julius Peppers in the Hall of Fame, the first go-around as it should be. We'll get to that a little bit later on in the show as well. We have an NBA trade deadline to recap. How do the Charlotte Hornets operate at the deadline? Mitch Kupchak, is he cooking or is he not? We'll discuss it coming up next. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Wesson Walker is back. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Remember to hang out with me and Fitty tonight at the Graham Street Pub and Patio. And a big thanks to Michelob Ultra for putting on the party. We're going to be in Uptown Charlotte tonight at 7 p.m. You can hang out with Michelob Ultra and me and Fitty. Walker and Fitty, if you want the third person like Fitty loves so much. Watch the Hornets face the Milwaukee Bucks. And what is a new era of Hornets basketball? No more P.J. Washington. Don't cry. I know everybody's going to miss him just as much as I am. We got a first-round pick, so everything's okay. We're going to break that trade down in just a moment. But when you're watching some of the other players here, like when Grant Williams make his debut at some point, it might be a little rough tonight against Milwaukee as you don't have the players you traded. Right. I don't know. I don't know how many of these guys are going to make their debut this weekend. But you are going to be watching a different era of Hornets basketball, and you'll have your chance to win tickets to a future Hornets home game. How about the Orlando Magic home game? You get to see all star Paolo Boncaro March 5th at the Spectrum Center. Plus, we'll be giving away tickets for tomorrow night's game 
and there will be a signed Hornets hat to win. And you can register at the table to win some of the tickets and the signed Hornets hat. That's tonight. So we're giving away two pairs of tickets, one pair tomorrow night, another one for the Orlando Magic home game, and then a signed Hornets hat. All you have to do is just come hang out with us and watch the Hornets at Graham Street. Just show up patio. like booby. Yeah, and, and hang out with us and Michelob Ultra. That's it. I, hopefully you like Michelob Ultra. Hopefully like you WFNZ and this new era of the Hornets and you can maybe win something because of it. Let's go to the text line, 704-570-9610. I did want to read a Julius Peppers memory from Panther Cliff. He said that play when Pep snatched the Michael Vick fumble out of the air in full stride and took it to the house is still one of the craziest plays I've ever seen by a defensive lineman. We can do that if you want to, man. Like, Just go ahead and let us know what your favorite Julius Peppers uh, memories are. 704-570-9610. Because that is one I think a lot of people remember. My favorite is a missed opportunity at a touchdown reception. I wanted him to get a touchdown reception, J.J. Watt style. Every time he would check in, I was like, man, they need to get the rock to him, and it didn't happen. We talked about this with Jake DeLone when he joined us. uh, I don't even know how long ago. But that was like one of my biggest regrets. They put him out there, and they threw a fade to him. They threw a fade. And he caught it, but he caught it out of bounds, and so he never got a touchdown reception. But, man, I wanted that so badly. I really wanted that one. And finally, we can get to some of the Hornets text that we have on the text line. Uh, we did have somebody write in that this is Mitch Friday because of the way that he was cooking. We have some people talking about the players that they waived, including Wake Forest great Ish Smith. He's no longer a part of the team. Frank Nilakina and James Booknight. All of those players were waived because of the players incoming with some of these trades. We can get to that in a moment, too. Do you have any thoughts on James Booknight real quickly? Or it seems like it went real, real terribly wrong. Yeah, no, I mean, I was ready for Booknight to go. I mean, he wasn't provided much. And, you know, he just seemed like a very immature player and part of the problems with the coach in the locker room uh, of this basketball team. We know his off-the-court troubles. They were well documented. And, you know, when he did come in the game, he showed you a little bit of promise every now and again. But it looked like a failed pick. And I think that one thing uh, lended itself to the other. I just think that he wasn't ready for what pro basketball had in store and what it called for. And I think we saw that in his play on the court, how he struggled to get on the court and his struggles off the court. So good riddance. So he's gone because of some of the players that came back with these trades. They made two big trades yesterday at the deadline. We hopped on the mic having already known about the Gordon Hayward trade. So Mitch Kupchak and the Charlotte Hornets traded Gordon Hayward to the Oklahoma city thunder in exchange for Vasilya Micic who is going to be somebody that can attack and get others involved. Trey Mann, Young Reclamation Project, and Davis Bertans, somebody that's never missed a shot against the Charlotte Hornets. Those are the three incoming players after sending out Gordon Hayward. You also get two second-round picks, one in 2024 and one in 2025. Mitch Kupchak getting multiple second-round picks before he heads out. That's how you know he still has some fingerprints all over this organization. Got a big first. Got a big first from the P.J. Washington trade. You send P.J. Washington to Dallas, and in exchange, you get Grant Williams, you get Seth Curry, and then you get a lightly protected, lightly protected first-round pick. Wes, it felt like Mitch Kupchak and the Charlotte Hornets operated in a way that made me feel good about this team in a way I haven't felt on NBA trade deadline day before. No longer am I going to make the jokes of, Brad Wanamaker being the biggest deadline day deal they've ever made. No longer can I just say the only thing they've done is trade for Montrez Harrell as a rental. These 
are the smartest moves. I actually think that P.J. Washington move is the best bit of business I've seen from Mitch Kupchak, as general manager here with the Hornets. I would agree with you 100%. I mean, those moves that look like that, they were a competent basketball team that wants to win, and that's the thing. The fans need signs that you want to win, signs that there's a future, signs showing them you know, what's next on this road. And so for them to get some of the guys they did, and I said yesterday too, I like culturally what this does to the locker room, bringing in some quality, high-character guys, Seth Curry, Grant Williams, uh, and, and those guys that they brought in, I love that too. And so it feels like that this team shook up the locker room in a good way on the court and off the court. And so you've got to be excited what this thing is going to look like once they get everybody together. We know that you know the off season is way the off season is way down the road as far as that goes. What players they will add to this, but I think you get you've been getting over the last couple of weeks a lot of goodwill from the Hornets, not as far as wins and losses. But seeing that Brandon Miller looks like he's going to be a star, then seeing these moves that show that the front office is making moves to try to get this team more competitive in the future. So, you know, you want to get LaMelo Ball back from injury, and hopefully he can stay injured. To me, that's the next part of this equation is his health to get on track. But other than that, I think you've gotten some positive signs from this organization and a season that's been very dark. All right, so let's I guess we can just go in chronological order. We can go with Gordon Hayward in that trade, dissect that one a little bit more. I do think the Hornets won on this trade too. Not necessarily against Oklahoma City, right? I just think the Hornets won in general. I do think the Thunder did a nice job of getting a veteran basketball player where you're not going to have to rely on him for a ton of minutes. We know that his body just can't do that for you anymore. Oklahoma City doesn't need that. Gordon Hayward doesn't need to be the vocal leader. We know he wasn't that here with the Hornets, and he's not going to be that with OKC. They already got that. They got SGA, who is apparently a dog in practice. And you can see it on the floor. So yeah. SGA is the leader. What that feels like. We don't know. <laughs> <laughs> don't close out correctly. That's what you hear from SGA. You're not going to hear that from Gordon Hayward. But he doesn't need to be that. And so now you can go to Gordon Hayward whenever you want to off of the bench and you get a veteran on a squad that is still really young. It's a young squad that they have in Oklahoma City. If SGA is one of your biggest vets and he's been in the league as long as Miles Bridges has, what, five, six years now, then I think that's a smart move for Oklahoma City. Plus, they have a million different picks. They don't get rid of one of the first. They get rid of a couple of seconds, a guy that's not playing for him in Trey Mann, a couple of guys, actually, that aren't really playing for him. And the Hornets also get some backcourt depth. They haven't had backcourt depth since like 2010. And now you're at least building something to get to a level of backcourt depth that's adequate. So I really like what the Thunder did for them. But Wes, the only way you criticize this trade, in my opinion, is if you think you could have gotten a first for Gordon Hayward. And I think that was off the table once he got injured again. Once Gordon Hayward came into the season and then didn't play when he got hurt, and then didn't come back. Let's say he even comes back three weeks before the deadline. Let's say that he's been playing like decently well. Just good efficiency, 15 points a game. Defense helps you team defense-wise and is actually just not hurt. And he's available for the last three weeks. Maybe you get some kind of protected first. But once he didn't come back, you weren't getting that. Maybe you get something like 70 cents on the dollar in return. With the talent that you consider... But there's so much more than that involved here. The guy didn't play. 
So I think this is the best you could possibly do. You got draft compensation. You got a young reclamation project. You have some veterans on the bench now. I think the Hornets did as best as they possibly could, trading Gordon Hayward and not allowing him to leave for nothing in return. Well, I think the trade for P.J. Washington showed you that they tried to get the most that they could out of this Gordon Hayward deal. And so with Gordon Hayward, too, it was surprising to me, though, because I thought with him – showing what he's shown on the court. I mean, not that he's a, a world beater by any stretch of the imagination, but he's a 15 to 17 point a night guy in this league. And a lot of times we've seen players like him get paid way more than they probably should, being valued way more than they probably should as well. And so I think the injuries probably did throw a little bit of a wrench uh, into those plans. But I think that we saw from the haul that they got from the P.J. Washington trade, which was more than I thought that they would get, then you feel pretty good knowing that, all right, Mitch exhausted all options and the Gordon Haywood deal. So the Hornets accomplished moving on to a different era of Hornets basketball yesterday. The Miles Bridges thing will be interesting. It looks like now, after Rich Paul and Miles told everyone that they were going to veto any trade on the table and that he was staying here in Charlotte, after that report came out, what was followed by that was the fact that the Hornets actually might try to re-sign him this offseason as an unrestricted free agent, and there's going to be cap space available for this team to do so. My only worry there, one, besides the fact that the dude missed 92 games because of felony domestic violence arrest that he eventually pled no contest to. Okay, that's worth a conversation within itself. And boy, have we had him. But even basketball-wise, like, forget about that just for a second, which is probably unfair to ask, but even just on the court, if you want to move on so desperately from the core, Wes, then is bringing Miles back too much of the core? Because you got rid of a lot, to be That's fair. A great question. You, you got rid of a lot. I don't want to neglect that fact. Terry Rozier, P.J. Washington, Gordon Hayward all get a lot of minutes for this squad, and they're all gone. So that's a lot already gone. Totally understand that. Should you just go ahead and move on from Miles Bridges, too? Because we saw Miles Bridges flirt with an all-star appearance a couple of years ago with a much healthier squad and a better basketball team. You didn't have Brandon Miller. That's the biggest X factor in all of this. But what do they do? With a coach that everybody likes, by the way, they got to the playing tournament and got bounced. So do you just need to move on from Miles and try to just clean this house a little bit more? You forgot to check under the bed. <laughs> yeah. there's, some, there's some stuff you need to vacuum that you couldn't see just because you need to move some furniture a little bit. You got you got all rid of all the dust that you can see. Like, do you need to now get under the furniture, move some tables around, and do a good spring cleaning? That's what I'm wondering if they just left a few spots unclean. Yeah, Walker, and that's why I love where you were going with that because that's exactly how I felt. And people were just thinking we're just talking about the felony domestic violence, but it's also the social media posts and the rap albums and the content that was there, man. And so you know that with the guys moving out, LaMelo and Miles are going to look at this like this is their team, their locker room, so they're still going to be thinking they should be looked at as the big dogs, which in ways they should. But Miles, you know, from a character standpoint and from from all of those things, yeah, Walker, I'm with you 100%. That's why I wanted them to move on from him. If none of this stuff had happened, then I would have been like, yeah, man, you know, it's looking good. But I just thought, too, if you really wanted to clean this locker room out, turn it upside down, I thought that Miles needed to go as well. So that's probably my one gripe uh, with this move is that he's still here, and it looks like he's going to be here for the long haul. Let's focus on the P.J. Washington trade now because, I, as I mentioned, I think it's the best bit of business Mitch Kupchak has con- uh, conducted since he was here in 2018. He held Dallas Mavericks really with a lot of pressure, saying, look, if you want to be a play-in team with that backcourt and just be cool with – 
frustrating Luka Doncic even more so? Cool. We don't got to trade P.J. Washington. We got him on a friendly deal for the next couple of years. We're not going to lose him for nothing. We got a tradable contract. In fact, it might get even more tradable if you don't want him now. Good luck. This is some like, hey, I'm the I'm the captain now. <laughs> I, I We haven't seen him operate like that. And people are asking about Mike Lassett's tweet, part of Queen City News. Mike Lassett said yesterday on Twitter that the driving force behind these decisions, it came from ownership, which I believe. I do, too. We heard that from Jake Fisher. But it doesn't mean that Mitch Kupchak wasn't conducting the business here. It might have been that the owners are telling Mitch, trade these guys, get the best thing you possibly can for them. So he did, and I think he got the best thing you can possibly get. So Grant Williams, I've often called P.J. Light. It didn't work out in Dallas. ESPN's Tim McMahon said Dallas is actually kind of desperate to move off of him, which, you know, it's not like I'm, hey, welcome home. We love having <laughs> the locker room problem here, but different personalities, different meshes, whatever. Maybe it just didn't work out there. It doesn't mean it won't work out here, and it does look like he wants to be back home. So that's cool. You also bring back Seth Curry. Nice storyline, good shooter. We'll see what happens. Not a part of the future, but shooting can help create some space for Miles to work with in the meantime. Lamelo, if he ever comes back, whatever. But that first round pick, man, lightly protected. Very valuable. Very valuable. Like with these first round picks, perception is reality. Even if you think 2027 is too far away to make any sweeping statement about how great of a player they're going to be able to select if Luka Doncic leaves, which isn't even a foregone conclusion. You're taking the chance. You're buying a lottery ticket, hoping Luka gets frustrated enough to leave that organization because they didn't put enough around him, and you got three years to work with. And if he does, then, boy, you got a valuable first-round pick if that is the case. And so it's a nice lottery ticket to purchase to see if it hits. But even if it doesn't, perception is reality. And with perception being the reality, general managers love them some first-round picks, even if they don't hit. Until they grow arms and legs, they love those first-round picks, man. So now when you want to get in on the Donovan Mitchell sweepstakes, now when you want to get in on the SGA sweepstakes before he turns into an MVP, remember we are kind of having that conversation two years ago before he explodes into first-team All-NBA guy the last two years, it gets you in the door now. Now you can compete with New York with all those first-round picks. Now you can compete with Cleveland going after Donovan Mitchell because you got first-round picks to work with. It's a big deal. And as much as I love PJ, people were in my mentions. Sorry for your loss. Praying, praying for you. <laughs> I'm with it. This is the right move. And Mitch Kupchak and the Charlotte Hornets cooked yesterday. They did, man. You got to give up credit where it's due. And that's how I thought it went, too. I thought the ownership just gave the orders, like, get rid of them, do what you can do. And it kind of forced Mitch's hand. It kind of makes you wonder what would have happened if this would have happened earlier, uh, what this roster may look like. But regardless of the fact, woulda, coulda, shoulda, they got done what they got done. And uh, I like where they're sitting today. I can't get out of here without having Luka Doncic agree with me. Luca agrees with me on PJ Washington, and that's all that matters. Let's hear Luca talk about the trade. PJ coming on home to Dallas. I, I was told too that Luca Doncic was very enthusiastic about the idea of landing PJ Washington. I think that was a little bit of a motivating factor that he he was excited about the possibility of getting him uh, at this trade deadline to add him to this team to make a run. Luca knows ball. He knows it, baby. Welcome, PJ. Come on back home. We're going to win this chip because of you.
Yeah, man. I mean, Luca, he definitely knows ball. He might not know a lot of defense, but he knows ball. No, he doesn't. How are you feeling, Fiddy? Like, Luka Doncic is welcoming P.J. Washington on back home. Or are you understanding the value of P.J. now? I just, uh, after watching Luka torch the Knicks for 39-11 and 11 last night, and then we, I mean, just dazzled in, in MSG, I'm going to put the P.J. hating hat back on. I can't wait until okay. P.J. frustrates him and he forces his way to New York and becomes a god <laughs> now, playing you, for the Knicks. You would like P.J. at that point, though. If he was oh, so yeah. bad that he drove Luka out and then he goes to New York and maybe even teams up with old LeBron and they draft Bronny, P.J. Washington starting all of that, he'd become your favorite player. I mean, I'd be willing to give him an MVP trophy. Uh, all right. I think he's going to win it on his own anyway. That'll do it hmm. for the NBA trade deadline recap. We got Shroppies Proppies, a Super Bowl edition. Coming up next, how many passing yards will Pat Mahomes go for? Let's get to it. Weston Walker Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning their chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Bagel Guy wrote in on the text line, you guys are the best. We appreciate it, Bagel Guy. And you are too, by the way, because this Bagel Guy on the text line is the listener that wants the most chaos. Yeah. When we get in Brock Purdy fights, here we go. Yes. Everybody likes it. He wants, he wants, well, that's, that may be true, but Bagel Guy, all he cares about is, hey, y'all doing that top 10 today? Hey, I'm Walker, you going to put Brock Purdy in the top 10? Don't put Brock Purdy in the top 10 and see what happens. I can't wait. I got a little something tough. So we got we got Bagel Guy writing in. He said, you guys are the best, but you guys need to relax with the Mitch praise. Hey, man, I think he's our Superman. What Mitch Kupchak just did, the way wow. trading to PJ, even though it's tough. I said, yeah, you're right. Like, we might not know who won the trade until this thing plays out. But one, that's not fun. We're radio. We're supposed to give out grades right now. This is how the content train works. But... I think he's right because I do expect P.J. Washington to go for 30 a game. And so at that point, Mitch Kupchak will lose the trade. What is the worst thing we do in sports, grading trades or grading drafts? Um, They're both fun to me. Yeah. I read that kind of content all the time, especially drafts. That's the first thing I do. It is is (laughs) fun, but like on the surface, it's pretty dumb because you don't know how it's all going to play out. Which one do you think is more? To me, I think it's the draft grades. Oh, no, I love those things. I I do, too. You're talking about somebody that created the mock draft melee. Out of nowhere, a mock draft melee rolling over your shoulder and saying, boom, mock draft. I'm with it. I'm going to do one next week. My least favorite thing that sports content is about the predictions I don't love. What? That's the most fun thing. Because well, you're wrong a lot? No, I'm right all the time. Oh, all right, LeVar. It's it's just how hmm. you guys hear it. Never lost. <laughs> Never wrong. Yeah, for me, because we just, we like do a prediction. If, if we like dig deep into what the game is, and that's different. But if we like do predictions, 
And because people want to hear it, though, like I'm I'm with it. I understand what the game is. And so we do the predictions. But that's the one where it's like, I don't know, man. I just want to break down the game and think what happens. But when we throw out a score, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's just not much thought to it. It's like, uh, you know, I think low scoring, maybe it'll be like uh, 17, 14. Uh, that's the only thing that I don't love about the sports content train. Hmm. You asked me, I told you. I do love Shroppy, though, and he's in the Planet Kia studios here with his proppies. Hit it, Fitty! Okay. I wanted to hit my little car sound effect. Okay. Super Bowl edition of Shroppy Proppies. I'm excited for it. What you got, Shroppy? What's the first one? Gentlemen, feels good to be back. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Our first one, Patrick Mahomes. You know we had to start off with Mahomes. 261 and a half passing yards. Uh, I'm going under. And I know anything I say is going to be taken as bias towards my team, but <laughs> I feel good on a Friday. I'll just say that much. I'm going under. <laughs> I'm not biased. I feel good on a Friday. Those are your reasons why you're taking the under. Uh-huh. Anything yeah. else, or is that it? I think the 49er defense is going to come to play. I think after they've been called out this week, uh, I think they're going to come to play, and I think they're going to deliver one of their best performances of the year. The thing is, this is actually a decent amount for Pat Mahomes right now with the way they play ball. Uh, the Ravens' defense is excellent. They were the best all year. They buckled down in the second half. And if we're talking about the biggest weakness for San Francisco, it's the run game. I do think, I was hearing Dominique Foxworth, uh, Foxworth talk about this, like the interior run game is where they really are the best. And it's the tack, it's the defensive ends that you want to attack with San Francisco more so than the interior. And so it's like, okay, it's a strength, but is it really a big strength, as big of a strength as we think? I still think they're going to run the ball. I just think Pat Mahomes might have to be a little superhero-ish. And so I think I'm going to go with the over. Plus, I like going the over anyway. It's more fun. I'm going to go with the over. This one's tough. Like, I really did have a hard time with this one. 261 and a half. I'll take the over. Wes takes the under. What's the next one, Shrop? Next one, you know, we have to go to the other quarterback. The old Purdy. The Purdy boy. (laughs) (laughs) 248 and a half passing yards. I can go first on this one. I know people are going to think I'm biased because I, you know, had a fight with Brock Purdy. Nah, but for real, I do think Chris McCaffrey, we're going to have his prop later on. I think San Francisco needs to run. I think that's where you can attack this Kansas City defensive line a lot. And this is about the mark that we've seen Brock Purdy throw. I think what's the most he threw for the last game was like 260, something like that. I'm going to take the under just because I think it's going to be a lot of Christian McCaffrey involved in this game. So give me the under on Purdy's prop. Uh, I'm going over. I think Brock Purdy going to be MVP of the game, and I think he's going to have a monster game. No bias, But no bias, though. I'm not biased. That's what I'm saying. That's why I know anything I say is going to be taken as bias. I can't say he's going to have a great game or nothing like that because it's going to be taken as bias, but but that's what I think. Well, no, can you give us, like, some breakdown as to why? Like, do you think, okay, he's going to be special? I just got one of them feelings. I just think that he's going to have a big game. Nothing wrong with the feeling. Uh, Moving on next, we're going back to the Chiefs. (laughs) We have uh, the rookie I think has been really impressive. You have Rasheed Rice. His line is set at 67 and a half reception yards. I'm going to go with Rice under on this. If, well, if you have Ward on him, but you guys play the sides of the field, right? Doesn't Legereus need, he'll cover, but I think Ward covers one side of the field. Legereus need is uh, KC, but you're talking no, about. No, no, that's what I'm saying. I think it's different. I'm saying, like, oh, okay, on yeah, Kansas yeah, City, no, Ward, yeah, Ward stays on one side. So, 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 on one side. So
mess his name up, but he so, stays on the other side. All that to say, like, I bet they're going to try to do some things to get Rice free, and you can do that more, I think, than you can with San Fran, like with, because Snead is just going to be where Ayuk is, and that's going to be an awesome battle, and Ayuk has been phenomenal this year. Oh, God, these are tougher than usual, man. I'm I'm still going to go under. I'm still going to go under on Rice. I, I think Pat Mahomes is going to have to spread this thing around. MVS at least is st- uh, stepping up a little bit more lately. I'll go under, though. That's a lot of receiving yards. All right. Uh, I'm going to go under. Since you want analysis, uh, I'll give you analysis. So You just got a feeling. When you look at these uh, two teams and you're talking about, I'm with me saying the defensive performance, I think they're going to have Kansas City definitely gets uh, a lot of yak yards. Uh, more so than the 49ers. A lot more than the 49ers, to be exact. Uh, so, Patrick Mahomes' air yards per completion is 4.2 compared to Brock Purdy, 7.1 yards uh, air yards per completion. Some Purdy. people would think that... Because no, some people <laughs> would like you for you to think that, you know, they get it off of screens all the time, and really, Patrick Mahomes has is the one with the paltry air yards per completion. Their screen yards are crazy. So, with no, that said, no if, they that. Can, if they can... Um, the DBs, I think they're going to be on it, like I said, and they'll tackle well. So I don't think that Rice would – I'm going under. Kansas City, their screen game is ridiculous, though. You're not going to hear any argument from me. I will say Brock Purdy at 11 yards per attempt on screen game is the best we've seen since 2018, though. Right, but he averages 7.1 air yards per completion. And so. that's why Purdy has been phenomenal this year. What else you got, Shroffy? Well, you know I had to get a Travis Kelsey one in here, and I think this one's really interesting. So, one and a half, 20-plus yard receptions. Yeah, that's weird. Say that one more time. So, one and a half, 20 or more, 20-plus yard receptions. Oh, you're talking about, okay, okay, for both teams. No. No, just, just for Kelsey. So, he has to have. Okay, so he has to have more than one and a half, 20-plus yard receptions. Mm-hmm. Under. Okay. Again, I think the, the 49ers will be tackling well. I don't think that they're going to allow a lot of yak from the KC receiver. So I'm going to say, now, if he throws it deep to him a couple of times, that's going to be interesting, though, because, I mean, I do respect Kelsey a ton. So that's tough. You know what? Use Fred. I think they'll have a couple. Yeah, but Fred will get beat sometimes, though. I, ugh, this, it's tough. I think because Kelsey's one of those guys that no matter what you do, he's still going to get his if you can lock down the other guys. Woo, I'd say 20-plus. Give me over. Okay. I think he'll get over. All right. He might get two. I actually think this is under. I, I think I think San Francisco is going to respect Kelsey way too much, and it just makes sense to me, right? Like, if you are worried about the best receiving option that they have, then I can't imagine. I mean, it, it happens all the time with Kelsey, though. I'm going to go with the under, though, on this. I, it's going to be tough, but I think they throw to Kelsey quite a bit. I just don't know how many big plays Kelsey is going to have 20 yards or more. Give me the under. All right, yeah, like I said, I think that one was the most interesting. Whenever I saw that one pop up, I was really intrigued by that one. one. And then, you know, we had to get our boy, CMC. Miss him here, but got to root for him out there in San Fran. This is a crazy rush yard number, mm-hmm. but it is CMC. 92 and a half rushing yards. Oh, that's a good one. You want to go first? Um... No, you go first. I got to think about it. <laughs> no, you go first. I'm going over. I, it's not that hard for me. This is how you win, in my opinion. If you're San Francisco and Kansas City's rush defense is not as good as their pass defense and you need to do some things to offset, you know, 
I mean, you can even run a little bit to the outside, and I do think that Christian McCaffrey is going to be heavily involved. So I think over 92 and a half rushing yards is there. Like, I, this is the one I feel the best about, and I know it's a big number. You're right. But this is the way to win, in my opinion. Like, this is the obvious game plan that you roll with. Best running back in the game. Kansas City's not great at stopping the run. Yeah, man. Lots of CMC in this one, in my opinion. Uh, NFL games get weird. A lot of times when you get in these big matchups, when you look at them on paper and you say, oh, well, this team's better than this team at this and that, you feel like those things are going to show up in the game. I think total yards, McCaffrey's going to be more. But rushing yards, I feel like Kansas City's really going to hone in on that. So I'm going to go less. But I think he'll have over 100 total yards. But I'm going to go under on the rush. All right. Well, you guys differed on, on quite a few of these. I was about so. to say, that'll do it for Shrops Props. We have 980 saying it sounds like Wes is expecting 98 yards of offense for Kansas City. Um, What you got, Fitty? We don't have a swelsy prop. Nothing? Yeah, I thought we would have gotten something silly. How about we do Especially this? Especially with Usher, too. How about we do this? Once you go back in the lab, mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm making you work even more, but that's okay. You you need to have a Swellsy prop. You go work on a Swellsy prop, and then you bring back a couple yeah, a little bit later on. Yeah, let's get a Swellsy and an Usher prop. Are you down okay. for that? Yeah. All right. Shroppy's up for it. Shroppy right. Swellsy props coming up later on in the show. Campus Corner coming up next, though. It's Wes and Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.